now we are going to an important part which is the ministration of the word and today our scripture reading is from Hebrews chapter 1 from verse 1 to 14 God's supreme revelation God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they the son exalted above angels for to which of the angels did he ever say you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, O Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will all grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your ears will not fail. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits, sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? That is the reading of the Lord's word. Blessed be his name. Let us now invite a Pastor Koti, even as we pray for him, before he ministers the word. Karibu, Pastor. Let us pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come before your throne of grace and your throne of mercy. Knowing that, Father, we are not worthy in ourselves to stand before you, O God, even to minister to your people. But it is by your blood, O Lord. And today we commit your minister. We commit your servant, Pastor Koti. Father, look at his heart. He has prepared. He is ready to minister to your people. But, Father, we know that he is dependent on your anointing, on your Holy Spirit. May you anoint him afresh this morning. May you pour the fresh manna in his heart, Jehovah Lord, that he will minister to your people according to their points of needs, Jehovah Lord. Father, we pray for utterance. We pray for coherence, Jehovah my Lord. Father, we pray for a fresh anointing upon his life. In the name of Jesus, we pray and believe. Amen. Thank you so much, Kevin. Uh, good morning. Good morning, church. Uh, what a wonderful Sunday morning this is. God has been gracious to us thus far. You know, the interesting thing about uh, yesterday is as almost the whole nation was saddened or was disappointed by the announcement of the president. One of us here was actually celebrating because it was their birthday. So we appreciate you and, and we love you. We thank God for you. This new month... God, it, it has pleased God to allow us to go through a new book, the book of Hebrews. 
It has been a wonderful time looking through Habakkuk. Last week, we looked at uh, the Pentecost, the fall of the Spirit of God upon the believers. And now we embark on a new journey. So join with me as we examine closely the book of Hebrews. Now, let me just give you a brief overview of the journey that we are going to take so that you have a roadmap of where we are headed. So I will begin with some fun facts about Hebrews, and then I'll dive into the content for today. Our topic is Christ the Apostle of our profession or our faith. So we will look at Christ the Messenger and the message of our faith from verse 1 to 4. Then go to Christ, the only true foundation of faith, from verse 5 to 14. And finally conclude by asking ourselves, what does this therefore mean to us as believers today in this age? So if you forget anything that I say, and if you forget everything rather that I say, please let this be your take home. Our vision and our perception of God Our concept of God is the lifeblood of our faith. And our faith in turn is supposed to influence the way we live our lives. I know one would pose and ask, a theologian over there, a scholar would ask, but pastor, faith comes from hearing God's word, not from God's character. Then I I would ask, what is the content of God's word? God's word is full of of painting a picture, painting an image, painting a canvas of the reality of who God is to us. So our concept, our vision, our, our image, our picture of God, therefore, is the foundation of our faith. So some fun facts about the book of Hebrews. The human author is unknown, but there are debatable candidates. We have on one hand a school that says Apollos wrote the book. On the other hand, some people uh, ascribe the book to Paul. On the other hand, some say it is Barnabas. It is actually Barnabas. Some actually even go ahead and say it is Priscilla and Aquila. But one thing I am sure of this is this, that the Holy Spirit took part in writing the book of Hebrews. It was most likely written before the destruction of the temple, around 70 A.D., uh, so it is, it, is, it is accrued to have been written between 65 and 68 AD. Its audience, the immediate audience, were a Jewish community called Hebrews, um, who are new believers, who are recent converts, uh, and they most likely lived around Jerusalem. The immediate context of these Jews was one of stigma and persecution, and we will look into more details about that. The main aim of the author writing to his immediate context was to encourage them, encourage them to press on in the faith in Christ Jesus, encourage them to keep their faith in Jesus Christ despite prevalent stigma, despite prevalent persecution. The major theme of the book for us today is that Christ is the ultimate superlative. He is the supreme being. He is better. He is better. He is better. And today we are looking at Christ better than the angels. So I begin. We delve right in from verse 1 to verse 4. Christ the messenger and the message of our faith. Now the title seems to, to be quite a mouthful. 
um, Christ the apostle of our profession or our faith. Let me just break it down for us. The word apostle simply means messenger, one who is sent. Yeah? The word profession is not profession as we know it nowadays. You know I'm a, I'm a lawyer by profession. No. It is the confession, the words of our mouth, which are anchored in our faith. So I will use profession and faith interchangeably here. So, apostle, again, simply means messenger. And now let's look at the reality of faith, the reality of, of our belief. Actually, I was, as, I was, as I was prepping for this sermon, it occurred that life nowadays is full of faith. We, we live on a day-to-day -day basis without actually real, realizing how much faith it takes to live just one single day. Let me give you practical examples. We would set the alarm, be it on our phone devices or actual alarms on our watches, to wake us up, excuse me, to wake us up the next morning. We are not sure what will happen in between of sleep. Yet, yet there's that assurance, there's that certainty of my alarm will ring at either 6 or 7 a.m. and I will hear it and I will wake up. We get into automobiles, vehicles made by man's hands, you know, and we are sure and persuaded that we will reach our destination, you know. We have no certainty of what will happen in between, perhaps a car crash, perhaps an accident, perhaps an angry police officer. But we enter our cars nonetheless and drive and go, or matatus, or futsubishi, for those of you like me who own futsubishis, you know. And, 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 and we are sure, we are sure of the fact that we will reach our destination. Yet we have no, no proof, no certainty at all. We go to restaurants and sit, and, and perhaps now, okay, at least now, now the hotels have been opened. Eh? We, for those, for where we can sit, we sit and order a meal. The meal whose ingredients you know nothing of, the cook whom you've not seen, but you ingest the food in all confidence that it will nourish my body. So life as it is now currently, we actually do live by faith. We live by faith, breathing, moving, everything that we do is surrounded by faith. But the, the, the interesting thing is that we have a problem, we have, we have an issue when it comes to now ascribing faith to God. That's where, that's where the issue comes in. Yet faith is as natural to us as breathing is. Let us look at verse 1 to 4, the first part of, 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 of this particular chapter. As we examine Christ the messenger, the message of our faith, he is both the messenger and the message of our faith. Looking at verse 1 to 4, in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also, whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by the power of his word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Allow me to take you through a journey of the Old Testament because the book of Hebrews is clad, packed with a lot of Old Testament quotations and references. Let us look at these first four verses through 
the Old Testament lens. Let me take you to the very, very, very first instance of creation, the very first beginning, back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In fact, I'll even go earlier than that. Uh, John goes earlier than that, the Gospel of John. He goes a bit earlier than that and says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let us go to that very beginning. The Bible is very interesting. It paints a canvas for us. Verse 1 of Genesis says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's a full stop. Verse 1 says, and the earth was formless and void, and, surf- and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Um, just to digress a bit, Emmanuel Okonda, if you're watching, you asked a question on the, on the men's ministry group uh, of when the devil landed, when he was hurled to the earth. My, my proposal to you is in between verse 1 and 2 of Genesis. So, here is here is an interesting picture. So God makes the universe, and then for some reason, the earth itself is formless and void and chaotic, without beauty, without life, without, without meaning, no boundaries, no nothing. Everything is chaotic, everything is everywhere, and, and darkness has covered everything. Now, imagine if you are an individual who comes into a room that is messed up, a store, books piled down on the floor, you have a dead rat on the corner somewhere. You have dust covering everything. Yeah? I mean, what is, what is the first thing you would do as, as, as a sane human being? Perhaps some of us would actually just lock the door and walk away. Um, but I, I'd like to, 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 to see, I mean, for those of us who would take initiative of cleaning, you would roll back your sleeves and, and get ready to dive into the mess and, and slowly by slowly begin prioritizing things, setting them in order. But it's a very interesting thing that God does. God comes face to face with the reality of the universe that he's created. And, and this particular gem called the earth that he's created. He sees the darkness. He sees the chaos. And the first response he does is he speaks. He speaks. Most of us feel, oh God, why do you ever speak? Do you ever communicate? Let me tell you, the Bible is clad full of God communicating to us through and through. But on with our story. So the first reaction of God is that he speaks. He sends his word forth to the chaos, to the darkness, to, to, to the miry clay of, of, of the existence of things. And oh, what a beautiful reality that is. The word of God accompanied by the spirit of God. Go forth, go forth, accomplishing Every, each and every one of God's purposes. Where there was darkness, the word of God brings marvelous light. Where there was chaos, he brings peace, he brings order. Where there was death, he brings life. He recreates the whole universe anew, in, anew not just showing the beauty, but showing the creativity and the image of God therein. How excellent God is. How marvelous he is. How much his word goes forth to accomplish the purposes that which he sent it for. And we know how the story ensues. A little while later, man, mankind falls. The fall, of man begin, the fall of man happens, unfortunately. And so things are sent spiraling. One day is division between God and man. Separation happens. And, and things begin to retrogress back to the way that they were. 
spiritual darkness begins to creep into the hearts of men. There is greed, there is death, there is calamity. But lo and behold, look at the response of God. God, time and time again, continues speaking. Talk of the envy of Cain, the darkness that creeps into Cain, Cain's heart. God sends his word and is like, Cain, 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 if you do what is right, yeah, will, will it not be approved to you? Time continues moving on. From Cain, we have the ancestors of Cain. We have Seth, his ancestors. We reach to a point of Noah. And in fact, one of my, one of my most, one of my worst verses, in fact, if there's such a thing for a pastor to say, one of my worst verses is actually Genesis 6-6, where God says, and it grieved God that he had made man on the face of the earth. And, and he felt pain. He felt pain. Why? Because every inclination of man's thought was evil, was wickedness continually. Yeah? So the darkness that the word of God had set forth in order, it seemed to be reversing, reversing because of sin, because of death. But God does not stop to speak. He speaks to Noah and is like, make an ark. Save, save yourself, save your family. From Noah, he goes to Abraham. He speaks to Abraham, speaks to him through dreams, through visions, speaks to him of, of, of a blessed nation, of a, of, of a blessed people who would be God's own people. He speaks to Isaac, speaks to Jacob, speaks to the patriarchs through visions, through dreams, a marvelous story of God continuing to speak through various means to his people. But it doesn't end there. The struggle of sin, the struggle of righteousness still ensues. Man is bound by sin. Man is bound and, and enslaved by wickedness, by the dominion of the kingdom of darkness. But God still continues to battle, to battle with speech. His response, his response to every calamity. He keeps on sending people. We come to the age of the prophets, Moses, and, 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 and the rest. God speaks through them. He keeps on sending them. We have the priests and the Levites. God is like, teach my people my law, my words. Teach them, teach them, teach them that they may know. God continues to send forth his word to his people despite ongoing evil and what seems like darkness that is increasing and chaos. But it reaches a point that God goes silent for 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, the intertestamental period, God somewhat goes silent for 400 years. And after this period of silence, God, we are taken back to the vision of, of creation, back to where God originally had sent his word. But this time around, he sends his word one more time, one more time, but in a different form. Here John puts it in this way. He says, and the word became flesh. The very word of God that created us, the very word of God that was God in the beginning, that very same word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Everywhere Jesus went, every life that he touched, you can see symbolism with the, with the very original word. You can see similarities. Where the word of God went originally, where the chaos was, where the darkness was, he shone light. He changed lives. Jesus, the same manner, Every life that he met, every encounter, he went preaching out the good news, the message of repentance, the message of belief, the message of salvation, the message of reconciliation. He went everywhere, everywhere, not just with words, but with deeds, bringing back life to where there was death, bringing back hope where there was despair. 
turning tables in terms of the interpretations of the law, in terms of the teachings of the day. And at some point, Christ does something very interesting. He, he allows the flow of events because he is God himself. He allows the flows of events to lead him to the cross. And he dies. He dies for people such as we. He dies for people who are wicked, for people who would be shouting and churning and are like, crucify him, crucify him. He dies for such as us. Christ, the messenger, Christ then becomes the very message that he was speaking to us, the message of hope, the message of salvation. And he, through his death, he reconciles us back to God and gives rise and gives birth and becomes the author of our faith. So this is quite, quite, quite an interesting story. So Jesus, after his death, he resurrects, as we know. And he returns back to the Father after spending time with the disciples, after reinstating them, after promising them that I will not leave you orphaned. I will leave you with the Spirit, the Comforter, who will never leave you nor forsake you. It is quite interesting. Therefore, he says, after he had provided, that is Hebrews chapter 1 from verse 3, after he had provided the purification for our sins, through his death, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. He sat down exalted, Authorities, King of kings and Lord of lords, exalted high, high and forevermore. We move on to our second Christ, the only true foundation of our faith. I don't know about you, but have you ever reached a point in your life where you asked yourself, like Job's wife asked him, why do I have to keep holding on to the faith? Of what benefit is it to me? I feel like I'm losing so much. I feel like, I feel like this, whole, this whole sermons and preachings of life shall be better. It's not happening. It's not coming to fruition. Worry not. Because the, the real matter, the real matter, the real fact of the matter is that the Jews, the Jews, the Hebrews here, were undergoing a similar, similar kind of state. They were asking themselves, I mean, this, we have Nero as emperor. For those of you who may not be familiar with Nero, Nero is the kind of guy who would light, who'd, who'd bring Christians together, light them on fire, go to another town, light them on fire as well, bring them together, arrest them, light them on fire, light them on fire, as in it was a horrific thing to be a Christian during this particular time. Yeah. Now, not just only Nero, but the fact of the matter, they were also facing stigma. The fellow Jews, the fellow Jews who are non-Christians, were, were isolating them, ostracizing them, you know, stigmatizing them. They do not want to associate with them. So, I mean, you would ask, I, I, feel, I feel their pain to some point where they would ask, is, is all of this worth it? Is, is holding on to Jesus worth all of this? I think we should just go back at least to, to Judaism. Maybe the persecution will not be as much. Maybe the stigma will reduce, you know? But the author of Hebrews from verse 5 to 14 is simply presenting a case of argument for them. Going through the Old Testament, especially quoting Psalms. He's at one point showing them that, no, 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 let us not go back to Judaism. Let us not lose heart in Christ. Because Judaism as a religion actually 
venerated angels quite a lot. Um, and we will learn of this more in verse, in verse 2. Uh, sorry, in chapter 2, in chapter two uh, the next Sunday, when, when, when our speaker comes. So they were like, let's just go back. Let angels seem better. They seem better than Jesus. But the author of Hebrews is like, no, 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 no. These angels, these angels that you think are better than Jesus are actually subordinate to him because Christ is God. Christ is worthy of all honor, of all adoration. Um, we, we may not want... So, so he, encourages, he encourages them and exhorts them and is like, don't go back to the old way of life. Don't go back to the old religion. Stick to the faith. Stick to the faith and persevere to the end. And the fruits therein will be seen. In our day and age today, we may not be such adherents or fanatics of angels, but let me ask, what do you fall back to? What do you fall back to when life goes awry? What do you fall back to? What is your assurance when things get thick? Yeah? What is your assurance of an uncertain tomorrow? Is it money at a bank account, in a bank account? Yeah? Perhaps it's the, the, the hope of getting children to save your marriage. Perhaps it is, it is going to an expert so that he, he can diagnose you again. What, 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 what is the foundation of our faith? Where do we keep our faith? Where do we anchor our faith in? Of, of all the things that I see more often than not we fall to, there's one that I'd like to comment about. Um, we often subconsciously, um, without realizing, often anchor our faith on men of God, on pastors, on, 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 on bishops, on apostles. Yeah? We, 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 we anchor our hopes around them. We have a perception of them as superhuman people, these people who have a special relationship of God through which I mean, if I tap, if I tap that anointing, I can, I can get, I can get my prayers answered. I can get, I can get what I've been yearning for. Some of us actually have the impression because of our association to men of God, then that guarantees a security of our salvation. And we do all this at the expense of our own personal relationship with God. Allow me to say this in all humility. All pastors, all pastors, all pastors, all pastors, all men of God are people just like yourself. When you cut them or when they are injured, you will not see the flow of the Holy Spirit from their veins. No, you will see flesh and blood. Just as you are tempted, so they are tempted. Now, the danger, the danger of, of having the first reaction, you know, when calamity strikes, I, I must run to pastor so that he prays for me. You know, or, or let me, let me, I, 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 it's pastor's word, you know, let, let him preach to me on Sunday. And we base our salvation only on either the sermon that we get on Sunday or our assurance on the prayers that they make for us. Now, not that I'm saying that we should disregard pastors or not honor them. No, 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 no. By any means, no. But I want us to create a healthy concept of who they are. They are messengers. They are messengers of God. They are human beings just like you. When I put my faith in a pastor, when I put my faith 
in a pastor on, uh, in expense of my own relationship with Christ, then I miss out. I miss out on growing, on growing in godliness. I miss out on, on the beauty of seeing God answering my own personal prayers. But even a greater danger still lies ahead. What will happen to your faith that is in the man of God? When the man of God sins, when the man of God falls short of your expectations, will we not lose faith? Will we not lose heart in them? And that is why the author of Hebrews is telling his audience, no, do not put your faith in angels. Base your faith in Christ. And I reiterate the same to us. Let us not put our faith in pastors. In fact, one of the reasons as to why Sunday Christians are created mostly is because of that whole concept of I'm around pastor on Sunday. So I must come dressed in my Sunday best, but also dressed in my best um, character in my best attire. Yet after, after the Sunday service has ended and you've gone back home, you are the cantankerous wife. Yeah, I am. I am. I am. I am the disobedient child. Yeah, I am. I go back to the life of addiction that I left. Yeah, but if we base our faith and our focus on on Jesus, our vision being held that my faith is in Christ not necessarily in the man of God, but in Christ Jesus himself, then the awareness of the omnipresence of Christ creates the fear of God in our hearts and stays our sinful habits. As we come to a close, what, what, what does this mean? What does this mean for all of us? What, what, what importance is Jesus exalted, Jesus supreme, what does it mean for the layperson as me at home? I repeat my take home at this point. I said, our vision of God is life. What air is to fire, so is our vision of God to our faith. If we have the wrong concept of who God is, if our image by any chance is blurred or, or is distorted for any given fact, then our faith will waver. Our faith will not stand. I'm reminded of, of a bachelor's life now that I'm still one. How, 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 how fast life is, you know? And, and let's say, you know, he lives in, 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 in a, a simple bed sitter. But it is so easy for that bed sitter to get messed up. He comes quickly with shoes, goes, goes, looks for a key, then gets out and dodges out. Yeah? He, 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 he goes and takes a plate and puts some food and then puts, puts the plate aside without washing it. And slowly by slowly, a lot of stuff accumulates and life becomes unbearable. And I think that is the state of our sin. That is the state our sin drives us to. When we, when we become familiar with sin, when we become familiar with, with, with God, when we are not aware of his vision, when we lose sight of his focus, sin then comes and adds onto the blindness. And we can no longer see. We can no longer see the holiness of God. We can no longer see the vision of God, we can no longer see our concept of God is blood. Now, that also goes ahead to affect our faith. We have a situation currently happening in America of George Freud, the, the Black Lives Matter movement. Suppose that officer was a Christian. Look at the fire that he's lit out because he did not live out his faith. Because he did not live out his faith. The Bible says how eagerly and how, how, much, how much the world is yearning for the revelation 
of the sons and the daughters of God, that healing may flow, that the grace of God may flow to lives. It is of uttermost importance that we live out our faith, our faith healthily entrenched on a true vision of who God is. So that calls for us to go back to God's word, the mirror that he's given us, the, the, the canvas full of his character, full of his goodness, full of his holiness, to remind us and renew our faith in him. And it doesn't end there. Ought to seek out by the grace of the Spirit of God to live out our faith that the world around may see the glory of God and may be healed. Allow me to pray for us as we come to a close. Let us believe and pray. Our Lord and Savior Jesus, we thank you so much for the exhortation that comes from the book of Hebrews to fix our gaze on you, the apostle of our faith on you who is the very message as well of our faith. And Lord, more often than not, have we stumbled? Have we stumbled? The father who had the demon-possessed boy, his faith was marred by the hardship of circumstances. And he comes quivering and wavering to you. He doesn't even recognize you as God yet. And he says, you know, Lord, Lord, your disciples have been trying to, to help my son, but, but they have not succeeded. If, if you are able, if you can, and your rebuke comes swift and fast to him, if, if I can, what do you mean if? All things are possible to those who believe. And Lord, we join this father in declaring, Lord, that, Lord, we believe. Lord, we believe. Lord, we believe. Won't you help us overcome our unbelief? God, we worry because we forget your wisdom. Lord, we, we resent other people because we have lost sight of your mercy. Lord, we covet because we forget your beauty. Lord, we sin and stay stuck and stagnant in sin because we have lost sight of your holiness. Lord, we fear because we have forgotten and lost sight of your sovereignty. Oh God, won't you refresh our memory? Won't you heal our vision of you, oh Lord? Won't you restore our faith in you, oh Lord? And may the same be translated to our lives. For your glory and for our sakes we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What a wonderful time we have had before the presence of the Lord. And thank you, Pastor Koti, for that message. Christ, the apostle of our profession. Better than the other methods, even the method of creation. That all this was prepared just for him. Better than even Elijah. Better than Melchizedek. Better than even John the Baptist better than any other apostle and bishop and a bishop that may ever come, better. And there is nothing, even there is no word better than just better. That Christ is truly the apostle, a reliable one that will never fail us. What a wonderful reminder that we just need to stick to him and listen to him. Since he is the best messenger, then listen to him. Whatever he says, listen to him. Even his mother said that during the wedding of Cana, whatever he says, 
listen to him. Whatever Jesus says, listen to him. Don't even worry what will happen when he says, I will do it. He will do it. Even if he tarries, he will do it. Whatever he has promised, he will do. He's going to prepare a place for me. He has gone to do that. He will, he will forgive me of all my sins. Don't worry how big they were, how deep they were, how high they were. When he says he will forgive listen to him. When he says he will come back, listen to him. When he says that you can do all things through him who strengthens you, just believe him and we can do exceedingly greater than we can ever imagine. And therefore, may the Lord walk with you. May the Lord hear your prayers when you call. May the Lord sustain you on the cross. May the word of God remain truer and truer every other day. May he give you hope during this season of transformation, may the Lord watch over you on Monday. May the Lord watch over you on Tuesday. May the Lord give you victory even on, 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 on Wednesday. Even may Thursday become a day of a great testimony for you. May the Lord fight battles for you. I don't know what comes before you, but on Friday, the Lord walked before you. I speak a blessing and breakthrough to you for you. Even on Saturday and on Sunday, may the Lord, the Lord give you enough chance and a great health to walk with us again. Even as we continue that I will be preaching on Christ, our elder brother, do not miss that sermon. Do not miss our worship service this coming Sunday. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord watch over you in the name of God who is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It is well because our apostle goes before us. Don't you fear. Everything shall be all right in Jesus' name. Amen.